Do you want to scale your business? If you do, there are certain things you're gonna have to do incredibly well in a very systemized, sustained way. And in this video here, I'm going to cover those for you from the basics to more advanced stuff. And I'm gonna break the video up into uh, some different sections. So this is the first part where I look at your strategy, your goldmine area, and some of the basic things that I think you ought to know about. And if you already know about them, possibly revisit refine, redevelop, so that it works for you in the long run. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. What's holding you back doing more deals and bigger deals? Now, it's my belief generally speaking, that smaller deals uh, make less money and hold people back. And that's because we all get a bit comfortable sometimes, don't you think, uh, in doing what we're used to doing. And if you get used to doing smaller deals, uh, because you're comfortable and you're confident in doing them, you sometimes tend to stick to them. Whereas smaller deals, generally speaking, may have lower margins and as a hard number, the profit's less. So let's say, for example, your margin is 20% on uh, commercial conversions or new bills. 20% of a million pounds is a lot more than 20% of 100,000 pounds or 50,000 pounds. So even, even though the margin may stay the same as a percentage, the hard number gets bigger. And of course, if you do bigger deals, uh, what that also means is you'll have economies of scale when you're buying products and materials and working with people, they'll end up giving you better terms and better rates. Uh, and the other good thing, I think anyway, is that with smaller deals, uh, it's very difficult to try and compete because there's more people after, after a particular deal. So let's say you're looking to buy a property for a million pound plus. There's less people looking for those types of deals than there are people who are looking for 250,000 pound plus deals. So as you get to bigger deals, there's less competition, which means you are more likely to land those deals. Now, of course, the flip side is that with uh, larger deals, there's less of them, but you only need to do maybe, let's say, one a year, whereas on smaller deals, you might need to do two, three, four or more. So that's why I'm a big advocate of going bigger because the time spent, the headache, the effort, the energy, the enthusiasm, uh, whether you're doing a commercial conversion of five flats or 25 flats, in my experience, and I've done both by the way, in my experience, the effort required is exa exactly the same. So why wouldn't you expend and put that effort into a 25 uh, unit deal as opposed to a five unit deal and make five times, if not six times, sometimes even seven times more money. And that's something I want you to think about. As a property investor, you'll know if you do things right, you can make some really good margins and good profit and make a difference to many people's lives. And if you're an accidental landlord or you're a beginner, there's certain things you'll have to do in order to get to 
a larger scale where you have a large portfolio or a large developer business. But it's incredibly crucial that you learn the basics and that's why of course most of us start on smaller deals, make the mistakes, learn how the industry works, learn how the different parts of running a property business work and then we're ready to scale. So you're going to have to spend a lot of time at the start investing in yourself by the way because that gives you the best return, investing in understanding the industry, investing in understanding your gold mine area, uh, your tenants, why you invest in a particular area. So at the start you'll have to spend a lot of time getting to know people, products, places and once you've done that hard work it's going to serve you really well when you're ready to scale up and grow your business into something much more significant. Once you've done two or three deals you'll start feeling more comfortable, you'll feel more confident, you'll have more clarity in terms of what you're looking to achieve and then you're ready to scale up. And I think one of the big mistakes people make is when they're ready to scale up or they feel they're ready to scale up, uh, they don't have the systems and processes in place to get them there. So you need to work incredibly hard on creating systems and processes for pretty much every single thing you do. And there's two huge benefits. There's more than two, by the way, but I'll cover two huge benefits. The first one is when you have a systematized business, what that means is the business doesn't rely on you. So you can then have personnel, employees, staff members, uh, freelancers, outsourcers, consultants who work for you and they follow the process that you want them to follow. The second thing is uh, with systems and processes, things get done con consistently because you're following a particular process. Everybody follows that process, whether it's a checklist, tick list or something else. And because they follow the process meticulously, uh, you will get a consistent result in terms of what you're looking to achieve. And remember, systems and processes aren't about writing a Bible in terms of how your business works. They're about looking at what's not working and then creating a system to make it work, what is working, and then finding ways to improve it. And systemizing a business is an iterative process and it's, you're always refining. So I don't think you'll ever get to a place where you'll have near perfect systems, but you'll have a place where you have a systematized business which works incredibly well with or without you. And once you've got that, then I feel you're ready to scale up in a much bigger way. Then whether you're doing five units or 25 units or uh, 250 units, if it's systematized, uh, growth is gonna be easier. It's not gonna be simple, but it is gonna be easier. I'm now going to share some tips with you which I think will serve you well in terms of scaling up your business. The first one and the most important one is to have a clear strategy. So this is thinking about why are you in property? What are you looking to achieve? Are you looking for small, regular returns in terms of cash flow? Are you looking for capital appreciation? Are you looking to set up a business? Are you looking to be hands-on? Are you looking to be hands-off? Are you looking in a, in a particular area? What type of strategy do you prefer? Do you want to focus on commercial conversions where you've got kind of big money in big chunks? Do you want to focus on service accommodation, which could be more hands-on, especially if you want to be involved? Although, of course, you can uh, have an agent working for you who manages the operations. Uh, are you looking to do rent-to-rent? -rent? Are you looking to become a, a deal sourcer, single lets, HMOs? That's some of the property strategies you could look at implementing. Uh, and then of course you've got things like No Money Down, which I'm a big advocate and fan of, and I've got other videos uh, on this channel which you can look at if you're interested in No Money Down. But be very clear on why you're in property, what you're looking to achieve, 
and then kind of set that vision out in terms of numbers and growth for how many properties you need, how many deals you have to do, the size of deals you have to do, how much income you're looking to generate, how many hours you're going to work, how many people you're going to have, the kind of areas you're going to invest in, the type of property that you're going to invest in, because that's then going to enable you to have a very clear focus on what you need to do and how you need to do it. And then you can just set your key performance indicators and your targets and hit the ground running. Alongside that, I think it's incredibly important that you have a gold mine area. And this is an area you're going to invest in. Now, sometimes people have more than one gold mine area. So I'll just talk you through mine and how I do it. So I'm reasonably comfortable and happy to jump in the car uh, or train uh, and drive uh, up to 60 miles uh, radius. And that usually, roughly, uh, is up to an hour in terms of, it depends on the road links, traffic, that, that type of stuff. But generally speaking, uh, it's about an hour's drive. Anything more than that, I'm not interested. So again, I kind of invest within a 40 mile radius in and around Peterborough, but I will go a bit uh, far and wide in terms of going maybe 60 miles if the deal's right. Uh, I know a lot about the demographic, the particular area, how things work, get to know uh, the council officers, other local contacts in terms, in terms of builders, contractors, planning consultants, architects, uh, law firms, and some of these, by the way, don't have to be local to that particular area, but uh, I try and use local suppliers where possible, because I think if I'm investing in, in an area, then I should keep it local. I'm a big fan of that too. So I think you should spend quite a bit of time in looking at your gold mine area, focusing on that. And some people, by the way, I know who live in, say, Bournemouth, and their gold mine area is in Middlesbrough. Now, personally, that doesn't work for me, but if that works for you, that's fine. But as long as you've got clarity on where you're investing, because if you're trying to invest anywhere and everywhere, I don't think that works too well. You'd rather get to know one particular area because then you, then you build contacts. So you may have seen some of my videos. We're doing quite a bit of investing in and around Lincolnshire, mainly Boston. And that's because I've got to know contacts there. Uh, and what that really means is I now get deals in Boston because I've established some contacts. Uh, and, and I end up doing more work there and we've got trade people we can use there, we've got other supplies who we can use there. So it just makes the whole thing easier. And as you get to know the area, then there's other things that you can do in that area too. So focus some time and spend some time on uh, getting to know your gold mine area really well. And make sure you choose an area that works for you and is in line with your overall strategy, aims, objectives and goals. Secondly, I think this is very important, is don't be afraid to pay more for a particular deal if it stacks up. So generally speaking, as property investors, we all like to negotiate, we all like to get good deals, and where possible, we like to get bargains. But remember, if you're paying over the odds for a particular uh, project or a property, uh, and what that sometimes means is, means is there's demand for that particular pro property, and I can tell you, the properties that I paid the most amount of money on ended up being my best project and my best deals. So I'm not too fussed about uh, the actual price of the property, although that's important. 
I look at the overall deal in terms of margins, in terms of profits, in terms of availability of the property, in terms of what I can do to the property, in terms of the scope. So uh, can I extend? Can I build at the back? Can I build on the sides? Can I uh, go up and build? Uh, so those are things that are really important to me. And if all of those stack up, I'm pretty happy to pay asking price, by the way. Uh, I do like to negotiate. Uh, but uh, if a deal stacks up and I really want it, I think properties are, are going fast in, the, in this particular area and the agent kind of has seen three or other, four other people that particular day. And I know that because when I, for example, turn up, he's just finished showing someone around. When I book the appointment, he tells me he's got two or three other people there. I know sometimes people say, well, agents sometimes make up stuff. I'm not saying whether they make up stuff or not. But what I am saying is as you get to know agents, you get to know what they like. Uh, and if there's demand for a property, I'll just go in there, look very quickly at the possibility uh, and use my experience of thinking, I can add some good value here and I'll just go in and pay asking price. On the other side, by the way, to keep it fair, is I'll look around if a property's been on sale for a while uh, and it either doesn't have that, that much potential or I think it has potential that maybe some others haven't picked up on, uh, then I'll negotiate and pick up some good deals. And I've got, uh, I've bought, three properties not too long ago. On the first one, I got 130,000 pounds off. On the second one, I got 175,000 pounds off. And on the third one, I got 120,000 pounds off. And all three of those were bought recently. So that might seem to you like a contradiction. I'm saying, well, if the deal stacks up, pay more. All of those three properties had been on sale for at least 18 months. They just happened to cross my desk. I said, well, if they haven't sold for 18 months, the seller would be motivated to some extent. So let's see if we can do a deal. And I put forward my best offer based on what I think the property was worth and all those three uh, actually uh, said yes, have the property. But if the property hasn't been on sale for long, it's in my gold area, mine area, it's got potential. I think it looks good. I'll just go in there and buy it. So the point is, don't spend too much time trying to haggle uh, and negotiate to get a good deal. If the deal is good in itself, to secure the property, get it over the line, and make some money, and make a difference. The most important thing, and I think it is a bit cliche, it's overused, but it's incredibly important, is location, location, location. So make sure within your gold mine area, you've got kind of sub-gold mine areas for two or three places, or streets, uh, or wards, or whatever you want to call them, uh, where you're, you've got the best margins, the best return, the best type of tenants that you're looking for, the best capital appreciation, good availability of the type of property you're looking for. Uh, because if you buy it in the right location, yes, you'll have to pay more, but it should be easier and better to, to rent. Uh, the demographic of the tenants possibly would and should be better. There'll be more and higher capital appreciation. And when you come to sell it, there should be more demand. So therefore you'll be able to sell it easier or easily compared to uh, some other areas and you'll be able to charge more for that property. So location is critical. You need to decide what type of location works for you in line with your strategy and the type of tenants you're looking to target or type of end user or buyer you're looking to target. Uh, but don't overlook location because location is key and critical. Number two is look to increase value where you can. So where possible, of course, if you can buy properties below market value, then do so. But obviously for that, there needs to be certain circumstances and a particular situation to have a motivated seller who wants to sell quickly for a particular reason and therefore will do a good deal with you. 
That's one side. The other side, which requires a bit more experience, is seeing where you can add value. So I've done quite a few deals where people have told me this particular deal doesn't stack up. And when I say people, I'm talking about uh, experienced developer friends who've been doing this for a lot longer than I have, and I've been at it for the best part of 20 years. So I bought my first uh, property in about 20 years ago to the day, pretty much. Uh, but there are others who are more experienced and sometimes they've said this particular deal doesn't stack up and I said hold on a minute I'm sure we can extend to the side to the back we can, we can go up uh, we can change the layout sometimes demolish a particular part of the building and then kind of extend it uh, and those type of uh, ideas have done really well for me and by adding on extra units extra flats extra apartments extra houses sometimes uh, has added a significant amount of value to the property so you want to be thinking about how can you add more value to the property because if, you, if you're holding it inevitably if you've got three or four extra flats uh, it's not going to cost you that much extra to build three or four flats if you're let's say building 15 anyway so you're doing 15 or 18 uh, the cost is not going to increase exponentially if anything it's going to be more competitive for you because you're doing most of the work anyhow apart from obviously kitting out the uh, initial rooms or units but for the extra three flats using the example i've shared with you you then have the opportunity if you're keeping them to get extra rental income and then of course you've got the capital appreciation if you're selling them well you've got three more units to sell so even though your margin might stay the same but because you're selling three more you're making more profit uh, so always think about adding value and you can add value in different ways and partly that, that comes with experience uh, so therefore, if you don't have the experience yourself, find some of the coaches, mentors, friends, associates, people in your network who are more experienced, who you respect, like, and trust, uh, and they can then help and guide you. But like I said, it, just because one person thinks it, it doesn't work, that doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't work, because I've had that advice on a number of occasions, and I've done the opposite and made it work and they said, well, I didn't quite spot that. So even though you may go to an experienced person, just because they don't like the deal, it doesn't mean the deal doesn't stack up. And in terms of advice, is just because somebody gives you advice, it doesn't mean you need to take it. You need to decide whether the advice is right for you or not. Number three is get to know yourself. And by that, what I mean is know what your strengths and weaknesses are and then play to your strengths and improve your weaknesses or have other people who can support you on that. But in terms of strengths and weaknesses in terms of property, let's say you're an experienced uh, commercial conversion expert and that's what you do well. Well, in that, in that case, and let's say you're, you don't hold on to the properties, you sell them. In that case, there's no real point, I don't think uh, at the start, for you to look at HMOs because you might find HMOs too challenging, uh, too stressful, too difficult to manage uh, and in that case leave that to somebody else who enjoys doing HMOs uh, and you do what you do best because if you do the type of projects you like and you enjoy and you know uh, then you're more likely to, to, to keep doing them uh, and by the way that doesn't mean don't try other stuff so I started off with single lets I then moved on to uh, small flips stroke uh, conversions I then went on to bigger conversions I then moved on to new builds so now my two main strategies are new builds and larger commercial conversions but that's not where i started uh, but at the start i know a lot of people are enthusiastic 
they end up doing lots of courses, which is a good thing, by the way, uh, because investing in yourself, like I said earlier, is good. But the problem is they've been on a service accommodation course, they've been on an HMO course, they've been on a deal packaging course, they've been on a property flipping course, they've been on a service accommodation course, they've done this, that, the other. There's so many courses they've done. So there's natural overwhelm in their mind, but also uh, they don't know where to start. Uh, and then they'll buy one HMO and maybe try one service accommodation uh, unit or property and then they'll think I'll do a small commercial conversion and then you get to kind of like trying to be jack of all trades uh, and you know where that leads don't you so play to your strengths do what you do best and do what you know and then slowly grow and develop uh, and be flexible to change adapt adopt as you grow uh, and don't do stuff you don't like doing I hear too many times I don't like doing admin but I keep doing it if you don't like it and you keep doing it outsource it to somebody else or take on somebody who loves admin there are people out there by the way who enjoy doing admin give it to them some people say they don't like doing numbers well let your accountant do your bookkeeping for you hire a bookkeeper uh, or have somebody else who can do that work for you it doesn't have to be you. So don't do the things you don't have to do. That's part of the benefit of owning a business. You do the things you like doing and then find people who like doing things you don't like doing. So if someone says to you, I don't like numbers, don't get them to do your bookkeeping or, or look after your, your spreadsheets or your information or however you store your numbers. If, if someone says, I like admin, give them admin. Someone likes numbers, give them numbers. Someone likes doing something else, give them that. Uh, because if people enjoy what they do, they'll do a better job. Linked with that, I think it's important to stay focused. And what happens is when we do something well, and let's stick to the commercial conversion example, sometimes it gets a bit routine, a bit boring, dull, because we know what we're doing. And you think, I need a challenge. I want to do something different. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's fine. Uh, but I think it's incredibly important that if you've mastered or at least uh, experienced and know something really well, uh, then carry on doing that and beat the temptation of being bored because we're all guilty to some extent of the shiny object syndrome. So the next nice exciting thing, uh, it might be new to us, not new to others, but it's new to us. So we want to explore that. And what I find is those people who are extremely disciplined, diligent, uh, are the ones who tend to do really well and they are the ones who stick to what they know best. So diversify by all means, but something which is working really well for you, okay, keep repeating that, uh, Dan, just because it becomes routine to you, it doesn't mean that you should stop doing it, but if you don't enjoy it at all, then I always say, move on, do something else. Uh, but if you want, to, it's the ones who do things in a systemized and sustained and a strategic way on a regular basis are the ones who usually uh, perform better as a business than those who keep changing their strategy, keep changing their goals, keep changing uh, their niche or their service offering or their product or their placement. Uh, those are the ones who have a scattergun approach and don't do well. So stay disciplined, stay focused, because that's going to serve you well in the long run. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money. 